Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the anointing. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that we can do nothing without. Thank you, Lord, for your word going freely without any hindrance from any demonic, satanic, or soulish force. It shall accomplish the purpose for which it has been sent. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, band. Amen. Can you give them a big God bless you? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Come on, we can do even better. Praise the Lord. What a blessing. Thank God for you and your ministry. Amen. We may be seated in the presence of the Lord. We're in Mark chapter 1, and we're reading from verse 16 to verse 20 as we complete the series of principles for realizing your potential. Uh, principles for realizing your potential. I've been tremendously blessed uh, doing this series, and I'm going to get the CDs myself, amen, and listen to them over and over again because there's some incredibly powerful and life-transforming revelation and nuggets of truth there to meditate upon and to apply in our lives. Now, Mark chapter 1 is our text that we have been um, building on and it reads as follows. And as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I'll make you become fishers of men. They immediately left their net and followed him. When he had gone a little further from there, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, there, and John, his brother, who also were in the boat mending their nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went after him. Can I hear you? Amen. So Jesus is calling his disciples um, into something that they did not even have an understanding of. He says, follow me and I'll make you, I will make you fishes of men. In other words, I will bring out a potential on the inside of you that you never knew that you had. They had no idea that there were apostles. They had no idea the world changes. They never, no, I had no idea that God would use them in the way that he would. All they knew was that they were fishermen and uh, businessmen, and Jesus calls them. So in the same way, God calls us and calls out of us what he put into us. Can I hear you loud? Amen. So God never speaks to your present. He always speaks to your future. Uh, because he's calling out something he put inside of you that you might not always be aware of. So we're building on that. We've had two sessions already. We're in a third session. And uh, what we're now going to talk about is that for potential to be realized or manifested, you need challenges that compel you to dig deeper. I'll say it again. For potential to be manifested, you need and I need challenges that compel you and I to dig deeper so that we can do what we've never done. Can I hear your amen? When you look at an athlete, you look at a sportsman, whether it be a boxer, a golfer, a tennis player, uh, it doesn't matter. It's all about contests. Right now, the Winter Olympics are on uh, in the East. I believe it's Korea. I haven't been following it. But um, it's all about competition and contest. The purpose of that is, is to bring out the potential of the athlete. And the greater the challenge, the deeper they have to dig. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so God allows challenges in our lives so that we can dig deeper. Hallelujah. Uh, 
Jesus told his disciples when he was confronted with a situation when 5,000 men were hungry, not counting women and children, he says to his disciples, give them something to eat. Now think about that. And they're like, what? Even a whole year's salary is not enough, you know, to, 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 to feed these people. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, I'm pulling out of you something in you that you didn't realize was there, but you have to dig deeper. And so he demonstrated to them what was already in them. And he took the bread, the five loaves and two fishes, after they had said, what is this among so many? And he looked up into heaven and gave thanks, broke it, and served it. And 5,000 men and women were fed, and there were 12 baskets left over. He was demonstrating to them that it's in you, but you're going to have to dig for it. Hallelujah. Can you help me tell your neighbor, it's in you, but you're going to have to dig. Tell your other neighbor, it's in you, but you're going to have to dig. Hallelujah. He's always pressing the envelope, pushing the envelope. Praise God. There he is in the Sea of Galilee and uh, in the boat this time. Amen. Asleep in a, in a, on a pillow. And the great storm arises and uh, they're afraid they're going to sink. And they cry out and say, Master, don't you care that we are perishing? He rises up, rebukes the wind and the waves, turns to them and say, Where is your faith? How is it you have no faith? He's trying to tell them, You've got to dig deeper than this. Hallelujah. There's something inside of you I'm trying to teach you to start activating and using it that you have the power to speak to the wind. You have the power to speak to the waves. I'm going to show you how to do it, but next time I won't be here. When you face the winds and you face the storms, you've got to dig this deep. Hallelujah. So many times, challenges are not there really to destroy us. They're there so that we can dig deeper. There was a story of a, uh, a, a chicken farmer who was in a chicken coop the old traditional way and had all these chickens. And there was this particular chicken that was very, very ugly. And, uh, you know, people were kind of like, Ugh, don't eat that kind of chicken. It was scrawny and, you know, it just didn't look like the others. All the other chickens were plump and fat and all that, looking like they're ready for the dinner table. But this particular one was looking scrawny and everything like this. And so he would go there and every now and again he'd get a chicken and, you know, it was supper. <laughs> you know, and so as the chickens were being eaten, there were fewer and fewer, but he was always leaving this one. And um, because he's like, this is not going to be able to feed my family. So he had taken all the chickens now. There's only left this last chicken. And uh, he started to chase this particular one. It was running a little different to the others and spreading his wings a little more. And, and finally he got into a corner. It was a chicken run which, which was open, you know, just a mesh fence around and the old way where you just spread the mealies and you feed them and they come and eat kind of thing. And he got into this corner and as he got this chicken into this corner, it began to spread its wings very, very wide, much wider than a normal chicken would. And as he came to grab this chicken, having cornered it, it began to take off and flew straight out of the coop and flew straight into the sky and never returned again. He realized then this was not a chicken, this was an eagle. But all this time, this eagle thought because it's among chickens, it was doing chicken stuff. Tell your neighbor, stop doing chicken stuff. Hallelujah. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And it was pecking on the ground, scratching, because that's all it saw around it. And But this particular egg of this eagle had hatched, 
in an unexpected place and grew up among chickens until it thought it was a chicken. But once it was put under enough pressure, once the challenge was great enough, it began to dig deep because now it was a matter of life or death and discovered that under that pressure of death, I can spread my wings. I can flap my wings like nobody can. I can get out of here where the chickens could not get out. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Many times a challenge is there deliberately to put you and me into a corner. Anybody ever been in a corner? And you're like, God, where are you? He's right there in the corner with you. But he's saying, dig deeper. You may not see a way out. I don't know who I'm talking to right now. You may not see the way out of where you are right now. All the doors look closed. But you have not considered when you look up. Look up and you'll find it's open. And you can just mount up on wings like an eagle. And you can just fly out of there. But we have to many times be put under pressure. For us to be able to dig deep. Hallelujah. To recognize I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Who am I talking to right now? Hallelujah. I want to tell you that challenge is not there to destroy you. It's for you to discover yourself. Hallelujah. Sometimes we go through challenges and you say, Lord, how in the world did I get out of this? I'm not talking to somebody. How did I survive this? You found yourself digging deeper. Than you ever dug before. And there was an ability on the inside of you. You never knew that was there before. And if you had not been challenged. You would not have discovered your potential. About handling that kind of situation. Someone say I'm digging deeper. We have to dig deeper to do what we've never done. You can never have what you've never had. If you do what you've always done. Can I say that again? You can never have what you've never had. If you're always doing what you've always done. You're going to have to do some things differently to get what you've never had, to go where you've never been. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so challenges are there to put us into a corner, to put us in a situation where we've exhausted our usual solutions, where you've borrowed from Paul and Peter and Silas and Timothy. Hallelujah. And now they don't even want to talk to you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And the bills are piling. You've tried this and you've gone to Mashonisa's and you've pawned off your cell phone and your laptop and your shoes and your socks. And you've exhausted all the usual channels of how you've made it in the past and you're sinking deeper and deeper. And you're saying, God, where are you in this? And it's in that situation that the Holy Spirit begins to tell you, you can rise above this. You can come out of this. You're going to get out of this. But you're going to have to dig deeper in your faith. You're going to have to dig deeper in what you're doing. You have to do some things differently to come out. Hallelujah. So, the question is, are we willing to be challenged, stretched, and inconvenienced? Sometimes we see these things and we naturally do see them as as enemies. No one wants to be challenged really. We like to be comfortable. Do the same routine over and over, you know, don't no no fuss, no muss and all that. But for us to reach our potential, we need challenge. Tiger needs to be in those tournaments. Tiger Woods needs to be in those golf tournaments. Otherwise he'll never be able to reach his potential. He has to go to the PGA. 
It's not about the money. It's about the fact that he wants to reach his potential as a golfer. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so many times we, we need to recognize that God allows challenges in our lives. I don't want to say he sends them. He allows challenges in our lives so that we can dig deeper and discover our potential. Hallelujah. That's why the Bible says, in all things give thanks, for this is the will of God. It doesn't say for all things. I don't thank God for the challenge. I thank God in the challenge. Hallelujah. Because the challenge did not come from God, but God allowed the challenge because He wants me to recognize what is in me through that challenge, that I can hit that hole in one if it was a golfer and so forth. So there are five ways to respond to a challenge. The first way to respond to a challenge is by denial. I can be in total denial. It's not happening. No, it's not there. Now, there's a psychological problem about being in denial. But even if I chose to be in denial that the challenge is there, how many people know it will still be there? Amen. Now, the second way to respond to a challenge is to avoid it or procrastinate it, which is a sense of a way to avoid it is to procrastinate. I'm not going to deal with it right now. I'm going to avoid it. I'm going to bypass it. How many people know that doesn't make the challenge go away? It will always be there. It will always come back. Amen. So sometimes we try to avoid a challenge. Uh, Or the third way we can deal with a challenge is to wish it away. I want it to go. You know, I just wish it wasn't here. How many people know no matter how much we wish it will still be there. Wishing doesn't change anything. Okay? So, this is the ways that we tend to respond to a challenge that may be in our lives. Or, number four, I can surrender, which means I can admit defeat. I'll give up. Okay. Nothing's going to change. It's just going to be this way. And there's always a temptation to give in and to surrender to the problem. That ego, that didn't know it was an eagle in the chicken coop because I said, okay, I'm dinner. Take me as scrawny as I am, you know, uh, okay. And could have surrendered, but it did not surrender. It dug deeper and that's how it was able to fly away. Or the best way to deal with a challenge is to engage it. Don't deny it. Don't avoid it or procrastinate. Don't wish it away. Don't surrender to it. Engage it. Engage it. Because it's like a tournament. Face the challenge. Whatever it is. It's putting a demand on you. That contest, that boxing contest, that sports competition, whatever it is, is putting a demand on you. That God is allowed. And every situation that we face, thank God, God will not allow us to be tempted above that which we can stand. But with every temptation, He'll give us a way of escape. So if it has come into your life, God has a way for you to get through it. Hallelujah. Say, it's not too big for me. It's not too hard for me. Hallelujah. Because God would not allow it in your life if it was too hard. So every situation has been measured by God. So that He knows that you can handle this. As tough, as painful as it may be, whatever it is, 
He has already measured it and said, you can handle this. My grace is sufficient for you. Thank God for the grace of God. God will never allow us to get into a situation where there's no grace for it. There's always grace for whatever we have to deal with in life. Can I hear your loud amen? Hallelujah. So that challenge is putting a demand on you. What does it require from you? That's what we should be asking. What does this situation require? What is it demanding of me? Is it character? Most of the time I believe it's character. The situation is is causing us to go deeper in character. Let's say for example, uh, there's a relationship breakdown in your life. And maybe uh, someone who's very close to you, now it becomes, it becomes almost your greatest enemy. And you're like, Lord, what do I do with this? What is this demanding of me? And probably what is demanding of you is character. That in that situation, you would still forgive. Hallelujah. As painful as it may be, that you may still seek for reconciliation to fix whatever is wrong in that relationship. And it's demanding you to dig deeper than you've dug before. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So you have to ask, what is this situation demanding from me? Is it wisdom? Is it growth? Is it personal change? Because that challenge is your exercise equipment. We don't get stronger by relaxing. We get stronger by exercise. Am I right about it? You need to relax between exercising. I know that. But if there's no exercise, there's no greater strength. And so when God allows a challenge, a resistance, an opposition in our lives, it's because it's giving us more weight for our workout. Tell your neighbor, keep working out. Hallelujah. Have you noticed that some things, no matter... I mean, it takes, you can pray about it. (laughs) I know what I'm talking about. You can pray about it, fast about it, rebuke the devil, and it still doesn't go. Anybody notice that? Come on now. Yeah. No, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm just telling the honest truth. And we ask ourselves, why is it that sometimes you're praying the same prayer, facing the same challenge over and over again, and you are trying to stand on the word of God, and all of this is not changing? Why does God allow that? Okay? And the reason why He allows that is because He's putting a demand upon you. He's putting, giving you exercise equipment for you to have a workout to make you stronger. You will come out of it. Can I hear you loud? Amen. But God is preparing you for another challenge. And if you don't overcome this challenge, you certainly won't be able to face the next one. So our tendency, you know, we know we're human and all that, and we tend to complain and cry and moan and, you know, God, why me and why now and why not somebody else and all that. But the fact of the matter is that God could be using that situation as your exercise equipment. Paul had a situation like that. And the Bible says that he cried to the Lord three times. Now, you know, if Paul the Apostle... Now, this is very interesting. Paul the Apostle specifically says, I prayed three times. What does that mean to me? First of all, he doesn't usually pray more than once about something. 
for him to remember he prayed three times. Sometimes we are guilty of praying 50 times, 100 times. Whereas you really need to pray once right. Amen. The other times we're preparing to pray right. Okay. But he prayed three times about the same thing. And God said, uh-uh. He prayed, Lord, remove this thorn in the flesh. He cried out to God. And Jesus said, no. I'm not. Until Paul was like, why? This thing hurts. This thing is painful. This thing is inconvenient. This thing is bothering me. I'm standing on the promises of God. Ask whatsoever you will. It shall be. And God said, no, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Sure. What is he saying? He's saying, Paul, where I am taking you and how I am using you, I need some exercise gym equipment that is strong enough, heavy enough, challenging enough to build you up for where I am taking you. This is your exercise equipment. This is your gym I need you to understand that my grace will take you through this. I'm not going to remove it right now. I am able to remove it, but I'm going to allow it there because I want you to dig deep into my grace. And so he says, my grace is sufficient on you. And so Paul says, I'd rather rejoice in my infirmities that the power of God can rest upon me. And by the way, that thorn in the flesh was persecution. It was not sickness or disease. It was persecution. Wherever Paul went, he was persecuted. He was locked up. He was beaten up. He was put in jail. All of this was hounding him. And God told him that when he called him in Damascus, how much he was to suffer for the cause of Christ. And now when he wants this thing removed, Jesus says, no, my grace is sufficient for you. In other words, if this thorn is not there, you would not dig deep enough to access the grace I need you to access for you to do what I've called you to do as an apostle. You need this thorn. Now that's some strong preaching. You don't have to say amen. You can say ouch or Aina, or Ekui, or whatever you want. Amen. <laughs> Amen, somebody. I'm preaching the gospel truth now. Now, this is not milk. This is meat. Okay? By the way, let me help you out. God does not give thorns to babes. Okay? <laughs> so, you don't have to worry. If you're a babe in Christ, you're young in the Lord, you got no thorns. Okay? See, <laughs> You see, let me, let, me, let me put it this way. Some of you have seen, some of you are great, you know, athletic guys doing workouts and gym equipment. You got these guys that are like super duper, like buff, heavy, can bench press, whatever, 400 pounds. And they can come to a gym and say, there's no weights here. You and I will be sweating over one barbell, you know, 10 pounds or, you know, 5 kgs. And they're like, there's just not enough weights. Give me all the weights you have. And still, I can bench press this. This is just breakfast. And they'll go to another gym because there's not enough weights there. You come to a point in your life that 
God, you can overcome anything. But in order for you to make you stronger, God has to allow certain situations. Oh, I know I'm giving you meat. This is biltong. Tell your neighbor, this is biltong. You got to chew on this one. God allows certain situations to remain because He has to give you enough weight for you to get stronger, for you to realize your potential. Oh, glory to God. Oh, I feel something now. Oh, I'll tell you what I'm feeling. You see, and I, I've thought about this. Why is it folk have issues about black folk all over the world? Why are, is it that, that we are the ones who are oppressed everywhere? I know, I'm, I know, I know I'm, I'm stirring up a little bit of Black Panther there, but now you know where I'm at. I'm about New Africa anyway, so that, that's just, you know, refreshments for me. But why is it, I've wondered, and I think I'm getting an answer here. Why is it that of all the people in the world, we have the worst deal? Have you ever asked that question? Say, God, you ain't fair. Come on now, come on, come on. This is not fair. You know, everybody seems to be on top, and we all live at the bottom of the heap. Doesn't matter where you go in the world, black folk are having the hardest time. They're being shot in the streets. They're being locked up. They're being, you know, poisoned. They're being all of this. Why is it always us? And I've come to a realization is that there's a potential. Oh, help me, Holy Ghost, now. That, that, that there's something on the inside of a black man. I'm going to preach to black people right now. There's something on the inside of a man, a woman of black African descent that the world does not understand. That even though we may pray for a hundred years to be free from something, that thing is still remaining. Why? It's our gym equipment. We are getting stronger. We are getting wiser. Hallelujah. We are digging deeper. Recognizing that the answer doesn't come from the east. Doesn't not come from the West. Our deliverance is not coming from Washington D.C. It's not coming from Beijing. It's not coming from London. It's not coming from Europe. It's not coming from Israel. Our help cometh from the Lord. Hallelujah. And God is trying to teach the black man, dig deeper black woman, dig deeper. There's more on the inside of you. I want to bring it out of you. And I've allowed this thorn in your flesh because my grace is made perfect in your weakness. Someone give God praise. Shall you never am somebody. If you want to know how bad you is, look at how bad your situation is. Because <laughs> God won't trust that to weaklings. They'll resign from the gym and go home and eat pizza all day. You hear what I'm saying? But if God trusts you with trouble, glory to God. And I'm saying, I'm not saying keep it permanently, keep it for life. I'm saying it's for a season. Someone say for a season. God has to trust you with trouble. You see, and he measures it and says you can handle it. If God has trusted you with trouble, it's because there's something on the inside he wants to activate through that trouble. Hallelujah. And if you did not walk through the valley of the shadow of death, if you had not been there, you would not have dug as deep into the grace of God. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I've been in some situations when I have said, Lord, only you can get me out of this. I can go to nobody. I can't talk to nobody except maybe my wife and family. But Lord, you're going to have to do this. 
Hallelujah. I got no connections, got no money, no solution for this. And ever when I've dug deep in God, uh, I struck water. Hallelujah. Woo-hoo. Glory to God. And when you strike that water once, you'll strike it again. Hallelujah. And you'll discover that the grace of God is there for you. And God will take you through anything. I'm here to tell you that our time has come as black folk in this world. Glory to God. Eye has not seen, ear has not. Are you hearing me, Africa? Are you hearing me, Africa and diaspora, Africa, all Africa? God has put something on the inside of this people of color that the world is afraid of. They've been trying to suppress it. They've tried to crush it, trying to oppress it, trying to deny it, try to brainwash us out of it. But God is saying, dig deeper, dig deeper, dig deeper. It's on the inside of you. My image is on the inside of you. Greater is He that is in you, that is in the world. It's in me ah I'm prophesying things have changed the winds have changed what you're seeing is is just prophetic in the political arena and I'm not going to say even more about that but I'm here to tell you that you're going to begin to see people of color ascending like never before yeah so we're not going to be victims anymore. Looking for help from somebody, handouts from somebody, some international aid or some Ain't nobody coming. Have you noticed? Nobody's coming to help. But God is there. He's always been there on our side. And I believe it's going to be our finest hour. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Give God praise. That was for free. Woo! All right. So, we need, amen, to know how to respond to challenges. <laughs> I like Joshua's attitude and Caleb when they faced the challenges of the giants. What did they say? They said, this is our meat. They said, no, we're not grasshoppers. This is our meat. They shall be meat. That's a whole lot of steak. These giants. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm not talking that they're going to be cannibals, but I'm speaking allegorically. Glory to God. They're saying, if God allows me to face this challenge, Lord have mercy, I must be somebody. He didn't bring these giants to defeat me. He brought these giants so I can dig deeper in my God. And recognize I can run through a troop. I can leap over a wall. I can bring down cities. I can bring down giants. I can bring down nations in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. We are well able to take the country. Hallelujah. Woo! Glory to God. Oh, I feel something rising in this place. Glory to Jesus. So we need challenges that will compel us to dig deeper. To do what we've never done. So there are times, hey, there have been things that I've dealt with in my life, in our family, and all of that. And I tell you, I would not have learned to pray as long as I can pray now without them. How many people know what I'm talking about? 
Yeah. So now I'm not boasting, but now it's like sometimes we'll wake up in the middle of the night and we don't even look at the time. It might be two or three in the morning and we're praying and praying and realize hey, it's five. And we, when we look at the time, it's like, it's like a five minute, you know, walk. You know, it's like, whoa. You know, before it was like, sure. <laughs> Pray for three hours at that time in the morning. But it's the challenges. Come on now. It's the workouts. It's when it won't change. It's when you've done everything and you have to stand. And having done all to stand, therefore. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's when everybody doesn't understand your space you're in. It's when everybody might have left you all by yourself. That you lean on Jesus. Hold on to His Word. Dig deeper in God. Stand fast on the Word of God. Until the breakthrough comes. And then you're like, wow! I went through that. By the grace of God. So what's this? Can't say nothing. This is a warm-up. Hallelujah. Whoo-wee. Sometimes you need to look at yourself in the spirit in the mirror and see the muscles you got. Now just flex some spiritually, amen. <laughs> Prophetically, just flex flex a muscle. Amen. Where do you get those muscles? It's the challenges. It's the delays. It's the setbacks. It's people abandoning you, talking about you. Hating on you, lying on you, betraying you, forgetting about you. It's all those things that have made you stronger. Hallelujah. You are strong. So I know, I know, I know this is not, but let me move on. And I'm going to close with this point. In order to reach your potential, <laughs> you need God. I know that's the truth. Help me now, Holy Ghost. Someone say, I need God. Genesis 30. Help me, Lord, finish this thing. Genesis 30. I'm going to refer to it because of our time now. Talking about principles for realizing your potential. Principles for realizing your potential. Story of Jacob. Jacob is now leaving Laban. He wants to get his gratuity. And uh, take his family and go. He gets cheated again. And he's left with nothing. And then God gives him a strategy. And this strategy, God says, take the speckled and spotted uh, sheep and goats. And let them um, know. He says, take your, the, the, the solid ones you have. Take some uh, poplar trees and plants and branches. Uh, cut them and strip them so that they are streaked and spotted. Put them in front of the watering troughs. And when these... Rams and goats of Laban's who are solid colored come there, they're going to give birth to spotted and speckled lambs and kids. Are you with me? Okay, so Laban, uh, Jacob has never done this before. Okay, this is something unique. No one has ever done this in the Bible before. But because of the desperation of the situation, he was under pressure to dig deeper in God. If he had been given his, pay, his, his whole golden handshake by millionaire Laban and walked away, he'd have never realized the potential he had in God. Someone say, in God. So Jacob needed God. Watch this. To realize your potential, you need to face challenges 
and cross some levels and dimensions. I'm going somewhere now. Someone say levels and dimensions. Now I said a level is like um, centimeters and dimensions is like meters. I'm just speaking allegorically or meters and kilometers and you know um, milligrams and kilograms etc. Levels are are, are measures of, of, of progress and dimensions are leaps of progress moving from one dimension to another it's a major leap now to realize our potential we not only need to face challenges but we must cross some levels and dimensions all right so let's talk about um some dimensions um or, or yeah and levels in the same time first you must survive that's a level am i are you with me you must survive Okay, that means you must take care of your needs. That's a level of living. Secondly, you must succeed. From survival, we go to success. You must succeed. Someone say, I must succeed. Which means you must achieve at a level where you're no longer, you're no longer just surviving. Success is now living at a level where you're no longer surviving. You are now thriving. Okay, The fact of the matter is that many people remain at the level of survival and never cross the dimension to success or thriving. Okay, And that's because of systems and all that, world systems also and all that involved. But the enemy has made it very, very difficult, if not impossible, for people to change dimensions. So statistically, let me put it this way, Statistically, in terms of, let's say, lower class, middle class, upper class in society, statistically, no more than 5% ever move up in the ladder from one level to another. No more than 5% of the entire population will move from poor to middle class. No more than 5% of the middle class will ever move to wealthy. But here's the other thing. While others are going up, others are coming down. So there's a status quo. That's the system, how it works. So there's only one chance, you know, in, 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 in 20 or, or, or more or so that any individual who was born poor will ever come out of that. Okay? And if you're born middle class, you're never going to come out of that. If you're born wealthy class, chance that you'll stay there generationally for the rest of your life. It's a status quo. Why? Because these are dimensions. And a dimension is not just like going from one uh, flight of stairs to a landing and go up another flight of stairs. No. A dimension is like climbing up one mountain and then there's another mountain ahead of you. And you must go from this mountain to that mountain. Uh, Oh, I'm trying to see if I can give you a better illustration. In other words, you're going to have to literally fly (laughs) to the next level. Okay, something's going to have to carry you to the next dimension. People don't change dimensions because of education, because of experience, because of connections, because of whatever. They don't change dimensions because of that. It takes a higher power. That's why people go to the Sangomas and the false prophets because they realize I'm going to need something extra for me to break through. 
because I've tried everything else. I've tried saving. I've tried working hard. I've tried the degrees. I've tried the connections. I've tried the hobnobbing. I've tried branding myself. I've tried dressing the part. I've tried speaking the part. It ain't working. I'm not shifting dimensions. I want to move dimensions. So they go to a sangoma and the sangoma says, I've got something for you to leap from where you are into another place. And that's why they go there. But how many people know that God has a better plan? Hallelujah. Glory to God. So I'm trying to make it clear to us that shifting dimensions is not the same as shifting levels. Okay? And to shift dimensions needs something else. Let's talk about levels for a minute. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, okay. Let's just give you the third one. After you have survived and succeeded, you do to what? Pursue significance. Okay. The next dimension, the highest dimension is significant. Someone say significant. Someone say survival, success, then significant. The order is important. You cannot enter into significance all of a sudden if you're not surviving. You got to master that level and that dimension. You have to then succeed and master that. Then you can enter into significance. And significance means going beyond success. It means now you are doing something beyond yourself. You're achieving something bigger than you. That is significance. Now, let me give you some links here between, between uh, 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 levels. How do you move from one level to another? I was just checking my time. How do you move from one level to another? Let's look at Luke chapter 16. This will help you. Ooh, glory to God. Hallelujah. I'm trying to rush here. Get this out. I hope I'm not going too fast for you. Luke chapter 16, verse 10. Watch this. He says, He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you had not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, that's a whole other message, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And verse 12, if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? So, watch this. When you're moving up levels, because it's like you've got to go up all those levels or steps to get the top level of the dimension you're in, or the denomination you're in, for those of you who understand what I'm talking about, when I'm talking about denominations, to go up to the next level is going to require faithfulness and consistency. It is faithfulness that brings promotion. I'm giving you something now. Don't miss this. When you are moving from one level to another, it's faithfulness that will get you to a higher level. Okay, let's talk about marriage, for example. Um, there are certain principles that God has given to us in His Word for a marriage to be happy and successful and so forth. Now, there are levels of happiness in marriage. Hello, somebody. A person can be technically married, practically divorced. So that's the lowest level of marriage. They look married, 
Ain't no joy there. Ain't no love there. Sleeping in different bedrooms. Fighting all the time. But maybe because of the children, they haven't divorced. Or because of what are the people going to say, they're not divorced. That is the lowest level of marriage. They are married. But it's the lowest level. That marriage is barely surviving. Alright? Now, for that marriage to go up to the next level, there has to be some faithfulness somewhere. Because the reason why it's there is because there has not been faithfulness or consistency. It's not that there's not been the odd rose on Valentine's Day or the odd chocolate or the odd date once in a while, but there has to be a consistency about this thing called love. And if there's no consistency about it, that marriage, if there were seven levels in marriage, may get stuck in the third level or fourth level. And the only way to go to the fifth level is that they become faithful and consistent in the things that need to be done for a marriage to be right. Not sometimes. Help me, Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. I'm giving you some marriage advice. Amen. Glory to God. And those of you who are not yet married, I'm giving you marriage advice to come. And that while you are not married, that's why God is teaching you character. Because when the Bible says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, He's not saying once in a while. He's saying, period. Love your wives. As Christ loved, even when you're not happy, even when you're upset, even if you don't feel good, it doesn't matter. Love your wife and wives, submit to your own husbands. Even if you think you've got a better idea, even if you think you're smarter, even if you're earning more money, even if you think you think that you've got more experience, wives, submit. Oh, God, quiet up in here. So many people settle for an okay marriage. Because they're not willing to be consistent. But if you want the best kind of marriage, you have to be faithful and consistent in the principles that are needed for that to happen. And you can go to the seventh level, hallelujah, of marriage. Oh, glory to God, I'm enjoying, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And thank God He didn't say you must be perfect. He said faithful. Don't confuse the two. (laughs) So faithful means that I'm doing my best. I'm applying myself. I'm being faithful. I'm being consistent. But by the grace of God, hallelujah. And if I'm not, then the grace of God helps me to continue to be faithful. If I miss it sometimes, I ask for forgiveness. Praise the Lord. But I'm going to be faithful. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So this is, this is the principle. So when you are moving up the ladder of levels, you must be faithful. So whether you're talking about a career, you want to climb to the top of your level in your career into middle management and you are at the supervisory level, which is pretty much the same dimension. For you to go from supervisor to become manager, it requires faithfulness and consistency tell you never just keep on doing the right thing that's it keep showing up keep working be on time be honest work hard that's all and you will be promoted why 
There's so few people like that. They'll be faithful when the boss is around. But let the boss leave the office. Then you'll see. <laughs> okay? They'll be consistent when they think that something's on the line. But when nothing seems to be on the line, then they slack off. Those are the ones who never get promoted. But the ones that are faithful even when no one is looking, they're the ones that shine and get promoted. Come on, put your hands together. So I'm teaching you something about how we get promoted in levels. Okay? Someone say faithfulness and consistency. Now, let's go to, to, to dimensions. Write this down. The gateway between dimensions is a greater faith in God. The gateway to a higher dimension is a greater faith in God or to between dimensions is a greater faith in God. Remember, you can get to the highest level of something but there's a gap between that and the next dimension. And it's hard for us to me to give an illustration right now but I'll, I'll, I'll hope to get one for you. All right. So you can't just say, okay, I'm a manager now. I'm going for CEO. No, that's another dimension. And many people get stuck at middle management. And they are a departmental manager or even a senior manager for 25 years. Never move to the next dimension when what is the difference in dimension is ownership. Because the CEO has shares maybe on the board and all that they've got influence in the organization that's another dimension they have a say about the direction of the company they have a say about you know value sh the shares of the company and all of that that's another dimension now and many people think that in order for me to get there you know it's just education no your education got you to where you are but it won't take you there it's another dimension so how do people normally do it? Well, some sleep with the boss. Some, you know, use their back connections, you know. My uncle is in the parliament and, uh, you know, he's my boss's, uh, you know, whatever, supervisor in this NGO. So I want to pull my strings with my uncle and tell him that, hey, my Mzala's there, you better put him on the board or whatever. People use all kinds. And then, of course, they go to witchcraft. Because now, it's not about hard work. It's not about faithfulness. It's not about consistency now. Something has to shift. Something has to break. Someone say break. For you to begin to break through now into the level of being an owner, a shareholder in that company. Alright? And so... Um, the, 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 the gateway to shift denominations or dimensions, the gateway to shift dimensions is a greater faith in God. For a child of God, you make that transition by faith. Oh, I'm saying something now. This is the victory that overcomes the world. Even our... The world says you cannot move from lower class to middle class because that's a, that's a whole dimension. But by faith, you can. They say you can't move from middle class to upper class. But by faith, you can. 
And you can't move from upper class to super wealthy. Uh, it's not possible without selling your soul. The devil is a liar. By faith you can. See? It's by faith. That's how you move dimensions. And that's why people live and die in one level. Why? Because they fail to engage the gear of faith. That when the pressure is on, we forget that there's another level now that is the supernatural. That I want to need God. Ooh, glory to God. I want to need God to promote me now. Okay, I, I've come this far as a middle manager, as a senior manager. I've been faithful, I've been honest, I've been educated, I've been good at my job. But for me to become a CEO, to become a member of the board, is going to take God now. Say, this is not going to be by might. It's not going to be by power. It's not going to be by my connections or by my skill. Because I come to a point where everybody now is on the same level of skill. Those people on the board have the same skill I have. But they're there and I'm not. Some of them have less skill. And they're running the company, I'm not. Because they're in a different dimension. And I now need what? The supernatural. Can you say the supernatural? Woo! Hey, glory to God. So to reach your potential now, we need God. Joseph, uh, um, Jacob needed God to bless him now. Laban had come to his limit. Had come to his max. You're going to need God. To be able to take you to the next level. Hallelujah. So that is the gateway. Look at Mark 9.23. We're going to just nail this down and, and take this home. Mark 9.23. Are you getting something out of this? Oh, I'm telling you, you're going to be... God has said you're going to be the head and not the tail. Above only and not beneath. I declare you are crossing every boundary, every barrier, every limitation, every restriction every dimension in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And Jesus said to him, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Whoo. All things are possible if you can believe. Hmm. What a dimensional challenge it was for Jesus to tell these disciples, feed these 5,000 and there's nothing. That's another dimension. But Jesus was saying, you can do this if you believe all things. Oh, I feel this thing pushing. Help me, Holy Ghost. If you can believe all things are possible, you can become a multimillionaire. Even if you're born in a hut. Even if you're born raising goats and cattle and sheep. Even if you didn't finish high school. You can be a billionaire. If you will believe. I'm not saying don't go to school. I am saying school has its place. Education has its place. But it's got limitations. And you're going to need something higher than that. Are we in the year of manifestation? Yes, we are. I'm trying to tell you something now. I'm saying the key to manifestation on the higher dimension is going to be your faith. Say it's according to my faith. Hallelujah. 
Peter walked on water not through any intellectual exercise not through experience that wasn't working there he walked on the water how? by faith he walked by faith and I declare that you are going to shift dimensions by faith <laughs> someone this year you may be driving a certain kind of car on a survival level that you have but by the end of this year you'll be driving a luxury vehicle someone shout by faith hallelujah someone may be struggling to pay their rent in an apartment right now because you're still in a survival level but you've been faithful in that level I'm here to tell you that you're about to be shifted to another dimension hallelujah where there's plenty of room praise the Lord you're going to have your own home with all the space that you want someone shall by faith Hallelujah. Someone has come to the end of what you can do as a single woman. You have done everything you know. You have lived right. You have believed. You have been faithful. You have been consistent. You have kept yourself. Ain't nothing happening. And the devil is alive. I'm here to tell you, by the end of this year, by faith, you will be on your way to marriage. In the name of Jesus. Come on somebody, give God some praise. Some dimensions are shifting up in here, up in here, up in here. Glory to God. Some of you have been running a little business, some kind of spaza kind of level thing. But God's about to shift your dimension. You are going to have a factory. In the name of Jesus, you're going to hire hundreds of employees. Right now it's you and Mzala, but in the name of Jesus, you'll have a payroll. Hallelujah. Pages long in Jesus' name. Why? God is shifting my dimension. Give somebody a high five and say, God is shifting my dimension in the name of Jesus. Oh, come on somebody. Are you feeling this thing with me? I feel this thing. Glory to God. I feel this thing. Someone say, by faith. Woo! Mark 11, verse 23 and 24. And we, that's our last scripture. Mark 11, 23 and 24. It says, For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, whoever says to this, tell your neighbor, talk to the mountain. Let's say, this is another level. This is another dimension. This is not your, oh please, oh God, oh, help me, oh prayer. No, you're going beyond that now. You're talking to the mountain. See, I've done that praying all, but now I must shift dimensions in prayer. Whew, there are levels in prayer and there are dimensions in prayer. You shall decree a thing and it shall be established. Hallelujah. That's why we're declaring it's raining in the Cape. Because we're done praying now. We are now in another denomination. We are in another dimension of declaration. It rains in Jesus' name. Because we said so. Hallelujah. He says, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, Ooh, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says shall be done, he will have whatever he says. Someone see another dimension. Glory to God. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe that you receive them. And you will have them. Someone say, have faith. 
So Jesus is saying, it's only to those that have faith where all things are possible. You need faith to go to the next dimension. I know you try to run your business, manage it well, your cash flow, your budget, your operations, your whatever, you know, minimizing waste, maximizing efficiency, all that. You've done everything you can. Your business is still going nowhere far. It's just on a higher level, but not shifted to a dimension. Why? It's going to take faith. It's going to take faith to go to the next dimension. Someone say, I'm going to the next dimension. Hallelujah. I declare you're going to the next dimension in the name of Jesus. I declare we are going to the next dimension in the name of Jesus. Because the gateway between dimensions is a greater faith in God. It is the faith of God that brought you to the level you are in. And the dimension you're in is going to be faith to take you to the next dimension. Woo! <laughs> Woo, we're going there. Yes, we are. Because of four things of faith, the faith of God will produce. Tonight we're going to be building very strong on the area of faith and doing this faith encounter. Sunday, Monday, you don't want to miss this because for you to move from one dimension to another, even within levels, you're going to need to walk by faith. And not by faith, by, by sight. That the difference is our faith in God. Faith will produce God ideas. Faith in God will produce God ideas. Jacob got a God idea. It wasn't a natural idea. Take sticks from a tree, take a penknife, strip it, put it in front of watering troughs. And then when the sheep and goats come and they're going to drink there, they're going to mate there, and uh, whatever is born there is going to be streaked and speckled and spotted, that's a God idea. Someone say, I need a God idea. For me to go from one dimension to another, I need a God idea. I need an idea that is supernatural. I need an idea that's so full of the wisdom of God that I break every glass ceiling, every hindrance, every limitation, not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit of the living God. Hallelujah. Someone say, I receive a God idea. Woo, hallelujah. I declare that you are going to receive God ideas in the name of Jesus. Wisdom from God. Jesus had a God idea when he was going to fish, feed 5,000 people. What was the God idea? Go and get some food. And what came back? Five loaves, two fishes. And what did God say? Bless it. And what did God say? Break it. Now what did God say? Dish it out. That was a God idea. See, an, an intellect cannot go there. <laughs> oh, Lord. Intellect, you've got to change dimensions now and begin to walk by faith. God says, I must anoint my house for seven days. Amen. I must take communion and I'm going, I'm going to see my marriage go to another level. I'm going to see my family healed. It doesn't make sense. But if it's a God idea, it's going to work. God says to, to Joshua, go around Jericho, walk around it quietly for seven days. Once a day, on the seventh day, go around it seven times. On the seventh time, make a big noise, blow the trumpet, shout. It was a God idea. There was no way to take Jericho on that level, in that dimension. There was no natural way. They had to step into the supernatural. 
I declare you're going to get a God idea. All you need is one. Tell your neighbor, all you need is one. You don't need a hundred. One idea is enough in many cases to break you through and you're going to get that idea in Jesus' name. Uh, Faith in God produces God connections. Someone say, I need people. God will bring people into your life to give you divine connections. You need divine connections. We covered most of that last week. Faith will produce God connections for you. Someone's going to usher you into that dimension. Someone's going to lift you up, pull you up. God's going to use somebody, but it's only going to come by faith. By faith. Faith will produce God's favor in your life. Hallelujah. Someone say favor. Glory to God. Faith will produce favor. You can't beg for it. You can't ask for people's favor. You, you can't, you know, do anything to get it except by the supernatural. But most importantly, faith will produce God's miraculous intervention. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. I see us, amen, mounting up on new levels, new dimensions. In the name of Jesus. I see you entering into new dimensions and seeing the potential that God has placed on the inside of you. But the bridge, the connection, the gateway is going to be faith. We cannot get there by the flesh. I was having, um, we're in the council, I'm going to close with this, Council of African Apostles, and I was listening to the apostles speaking from all over Africa. And one of the things that came up in one of the incredibly anointed speakers was saying that strategic planning is dead. I was like, whoa, i got to listen now. Strategic planning is dead. Why? Because information is coming so fast. Things are changing so fast that you're not, you can't plan strategically anymore. To say, in five years' time, we want to do this, we want to have done that, and we're going to do ABC to get there. Why? Because things will change so much in these next five years. Your strategic plan is going to go down the tubes. He's talk, they're talking now about scenario planning. If this, then what? Then have a plan. What if this? Then that. What if it goes this way? Then this. Scenario planning. It, it, everything's shifting in the leadership world. Okay? I even saw a, a writing about leadership is dead. That's a whole other philosophy and a whole other thing. Everything is changing in this world. So whatever plan you have, you think you have, chances are you'll have to change it in the next two months. And you keep on changing plans, changing plans. Why? Because everything is changing. Hallelujah. What is that saying? It's meaning that the goalposts are moving all the time. So now we can't even plan enough to say 10 years from now, I'm going to have a 5 million rand house. Who knows what's going to happen in the next 5, 10 years? You're going to need the supernatural. We're going to need the power. Am I talking to somebody here? You're not going to get there. I'm not going to get there only by amen, my intelligence and my strategic plans and all laid out based on my MBA. Thank God for the MBA. But I'm telling you right now, there's what is now called, you know, disruptive technology. Okay? The Ubers and, and all these is disruptive. Uh, every, everything now is moving to disruption. There is no predictability. 
You cannot plan it. It won't work. 20 years ago, you could make a plan and implement it over 15 years. Today, you can't make a plan and implement it. Why? Because tomorrow, there could be some disruptive technology that just blew your business out of the water. Someone comes up with a new product, new technology that just destroys everybody on the market and you've lost your investment. You're going to start again. And, and, and so you're going to, we're going to have to, we're going to have to, and we will, praise God, dig deeper. Oh, hallelujah. I'm ready to dig deeper. How about you? Hallelujah. Because it's in God. It's in the supernatural. It is in tapping into that which man cannot do. Which only God can do. Glory to God. That's going to take you to the other side. I declare that we are crossing over in Jesus' name. Can we stand on our feet and give God praise? If you receive something from the Lord this morning. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to His name. Father, we praise You and magnify You. We glorify Your name, Lord. That You've made a commitment. You made it to Abraham. You made a covenant. You said, in blessing, I will bless You. In other words, I'm going to move You through the dimensions. I'm going to take You there. It's not going to be by Your natural flesh for You to give birth to a son and to be a father of many nations. It's going to be by Your faith. Lord, we thank You for this gateway of faith that you've given to us that by faith we will see it manifested in Jesus.